Our personal core values affect everything we do and the decisions we make. The same goes for the local church. Get your Bible and notes ready as Pastor Ron shares in our series, Identity. It's wonderful to be back with you. I want to just celebrate with you because we, this series is about understanding who we are as a church, but who we are in Christ individually as well. The five values that we have been working through or are working through, we're up to the third one today, are, we believe, values that every Christ follower ought to be putting upon their life or to be embracing in their life. We've spoken about service. Uh, last week, Pastor Jasmine shared on worship. Today, we're looking at outreach. And then uh, relationship is next week. And then discipleship as we finish off. The acronym for that is SWORD. And we believe that, that people, that our responsibility to people, to responsibility to our community is to reach people for Christ by the way that we serve, by the way that we worship, outreach, the relationships we are able to form and the discipleship process that we want for ourselves and the way that we are able to do that and help others be discipled in Christ as well. So that's where we're at. Today we're looking, we're the middle of the series in that sense. It's the O, which is outreach. And looking at what our values are to be essential in being an effective light in the world that God has placed us in, being an effective disciple in Jesus Christ. In other words, how we identify with our community and how we identify with Christ. Because if our identity in Christ is not clear, then we will not be light or salt in our world. If we are not clearly identified as disciples of Jesus Christ, how will anyone know what a disciple of Jesus Christ looks like? And we believe that our identity is important, both individually and corporately as a church. And remembering the church isn't about the building. It's not about the name on the front of the building. The church is the ecclesia, the, the group of people that meet who have made a commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So each one of you here in person, those that are watching from home online or whatever you are watching this, it, we are all part of the ecclesia, and the best way that we can demonstrate that, I believe, in a physical sense, is by being corporately together. And we should be doing that. We should be looking for ways that we can do that and reaching out to our, our, our community. And we want to be sure that we stay on track with how we, we implement these values into our life. So some of what we're doing through this series, you've heard, some of you at least have heard some of these things before. But, and it's easy to switch off because either, I know that. 
But I believe that being held accountable is one of the best ways that we can actually keep our focus on what we're supposed to do. If we are knowing that people are watching us and are willing to hold us accountable to the word of God and to the commitment that we've made to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are more likely to be following in that step. When no one holds us accountable, it's easy to step back and think, well, it doesn't matter, no one really cares, even though we do realize that God does. And I want us to recognize today as we're looking at outreach, and outreach ought to be normal for the Christian, for the Christ follower. That isn't, I guess if I've got a concern for today, it's this. I don't want you to go away feeling that you've been condemned today. I don't want you to feel that, that I'm standing up here beating you up with a stick about, with what I'm about to say. And I want you to think that, that I'm hounding you because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. That's not the intent of, of today. The intent of today is to remind us of the values that we have. And to if, if we're doing that, we need to be making sure that we're on track with what God wants us to do. If we're not, then maybe it is just a little stirring up to say, okay, well, how can I? This is not a criticism. It's not a condemnation. And I want you to see that today in what's being said, not taking it any other way. Because I believe that outreach ought to be a normal overflow of what Christ has done in our heart. It shouldn't be, have to really be even, dare I say, a conscious effort. It'd be, to me, it should be like driving a car where if you've driven a manual car, most of you probably have, um, you don't think about really where you change gears <clears throat> unless you've stalled it. You don't think about when to put the indicator on because it's just what happens. It's how you drive. And we know that every one of you stops dead at a stop sign. None of you speed over the speed limit because you know that it's not allowed. None of you cause a problem. None of you make dis cause disturbances in your car because you know how to drive. And I know you all do that. Maybe. Uh, now you're looking guilty. Um, but no, I, I think when, we come to, when it comes to outreach, outreach should be really normal for us. It should be just out of the overflow of what Christ has done for us. And it doesn't have to be hard work. We're to tell others the good news that we have encountered. We are to tell others what Christ has done in us. <clears throat> and at the core of everything that Jesus did and what we learn from him is that he, he taught them things and then told them to pass it on to others. And this is sometimes where the tensions of our outreach opportunities begin because we don't like talking to people or there's a whole heap of excuses. But I want the key verse today. It doesn't come from the New Testament. The key verse for today is Psalm 107. And it's only one verse, verse 2. And 
This is a long time before Jesus said to go and make disciples. This is a long time before the New Testament fell into place for the, the people that were part of that. But this is what the psalmist tells us in Psalm 107. He says, has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. If God has done something in your life, then tell others, speak out, spread the news. Don't be shy in holding it back. If, has the Lord really saved you? Has he set you apart? Has he called you? Has he, have you invited into him into your heart? Has that happened to you? Then speak out. Tell others of the good that he's done for you because you know what? How else will they know why you live the life that you live? But, but not every Christian has to go about outreach in the same way. And I think that's where some of the pressure comes. We put it on ourselves and that's where the disagreements at times come into play. I remember having a disagreement with a fellow Christian about this very issue. That as a church, we should be doing more of this, more of that, more, more telling, more going. And that should be the focus. Yes, it should be, but it shouldn't be the only focus. And that's where we get into arguments potentially and disagreements with others. There are some who find it really easy to share their faith with anyone and everyone. There are some of you who just think that's the best thing ever. It's just, I, you love talking about your faith. You love, you, you love talking with people. Um, it's just how you are. And that's, that's wonderful. I, I take my hat off to you. I, I'm a little envious of you because that's not me either. And I don't find it comes out of an inner, inner natural kind of sense. I'm very aware that what I do, I need to be doing, but it doesn't always and hasn't always come naturally to me. And I know that some of you are like that as well, where the very thought of going up to somebody and talking to them about the Lord Jesus Christ puts shivers down your spine. And you're, you're worried about what you might say or how it might come out. You don't see <clears throat> yourself as being that bold and audacious kind of person and, and don't see that that kind of ministry in outreach is absolutely necessary. In fact, you might even feel that those kind of people that do that could be a little obnoxious and, and offensive in the way that they do that. Talking about Jesus with others is really not what you need to do. That's what you think. It's, it, there's something that should be something that's reserved for, let's, let's be real, the paid pastor. That's his job or her job. That's what they're there for. They're to, they're to actually get out and tell everybody about Jesus. Uh, let, me, let me just burst your bubble for a second. The scriptures don't say that. In fact, they say quite contrary to that. But there are many who feel that the pastors and leaders and the board and those in leadership, they're the ones that need to be getting out and doing something Well, that's not my gifting. And the reality is of that extremes in both those camps are wrong. 
It's not just about outreach and it's not just about being bold and courageous. That's, that may be how you are and that's fine and you can do that, but that's not going to be for everyone. But on the other hand, it's not about letting other, everyone else do it and sitting back and, and twiddling our thumbs and doing something different. There is a middle ground where we are all called to be an evangelist. We are all called to live our life and to be light in our world. We'll get to those scriptures very, very shortly. The extremes of both are not necessarily right. We are to take opportunities, though, to share our faith. We are to make the most of every opportunity to share our faith. But it doesn't always mean that that's going to be easy or that we're going to find it's comfortable and it may not always come naturally. And while those gifted in evangelism may well find it easier to share their faith, they are certainly not the only ones who should be, nor are they always the best people to share their faith in some situations. The fact is, outreach ought to be normal for every single Christ follower. If you have received Jesus into your heart, has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. It's not just for those who have been called to a level of leadership in any means at all. There are many different ways of getting the message out, and outreach ought to be a natural, normal part of our Christian walk. And certainly, it is a value that we believe the church ought to not just be aware of, but as a church corporately, actively involved in. And we want to see that as one of our primary values, SWO outreach. Let me ask you a question. Why is it that since we have the most amazing news ever, we've been redeemed, we've been set free from the power of, of death, the scriptures tell us, that we have been set free by Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb, and, you know, there are a bunch of people, perhaps even in this room or watching online, that have no clue what that really means. There are a bunch outside in our world that have no clue what that really means. But if God has touched your life, you do. We have the best news ever. There is a way in which you and I do not, we can be absolutely sure we are going to heaven, not to hell. We can be absolutely confident that we will be in heaven when we pass from this life. We can be confident that there is no way that God would send us into eternity in hell because of decisions that we have made and because we know that the word of God is true when it tells us that there is one name under heaven by which men can be saved, it is in the name and through the name of Jesus Christ. We need to examine what that means. So why is it that since we have the most amazing news ever, that we are afraid or reluctant to tell others about Jesus or what he has done for us? I think what happens too often is that we're not sure that others will see it as the greatest news ever and that they'll make fun of our decision or we might even make a fool of ourselves in, in how we say what we're about to say and people might ridicule us a little bit. 
I've mentioned 2 Corinthians 4.4 many times throughout this series and other series, but 2 Corinthians 4.4 is critical, I believe, for us to understand how other people see it. It's not on the screen, so don't go looking to the screen. It's not on your screens, on your home TVs or wherever you're watching. It's in the scriptures. That's weird, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 4.4 tells us that Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the eyes of those who are perishing so that they cannot see the glory of God. The word cannot see is important, or the word cannot is important. It's, it's not even possible for them to see the glory of God because Satan has so blinded their eyes that they're unable to see that. So it's not unusual then, or we shouldn't think it unusual, for if you start to talk about this life-giving message and this life-giving water that Christ says he wants to give us, that they look at you weirdly or they criticize you because they just can't see it. It's not even on their radar. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's like trying to describe the color yellow to someone who has been blind from birth. How would you do that? Don't think too long and hard, but it feels like that at some time. How, how am I going to tell them about Jesus when they cannot see it? But Jesus said that he came to give sight to the blind. And while Jesus did fear, uh, heal physical blindness, he was not necessarily speaking about physical blindness. It's not the real reason that he came at all. He, he healed physically, but he wasn't talking about spiritual bl uh, physical blindness. He was talking about spiritual blindness. Because in John 9, verse 39, this is on the screen, then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think that they see that they are really blind. He's not talking about physical blindness there at all. He's talking about a spiritual blindness. He came that they might have the blindness that the God of this world has caused in our world to be taken away. It is only by the blood of Jesus, the light of the world, that Jesus came in that the blindness of our world can be taken away. So when we stand before people who are spiritually blind, we speak in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the blind will see. That's how we can be so confident about this. This is not something that you can do or I can do in our own strength because it will not work. You have no authority to do it in your own strength. You only carry the authority to do this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So when you start to speak to others in the name of Jesus and you tell them, has the Lord redeemed me? I want to just tell you what that means, that we know that God is at work in their life and that he will remove the blindness and they will begin to see. We can rejoice with them as they begin their lifelong journey discovering what that means. You might not be the person that leads them into the full journey. But you may be the one that starts their thinking. You may be the one that causes them to think outside of the square that they're really thinking in. And I think we need to understand that outreach is exciting time to be part of. And this is an exciting moment in history that we can be part of. <clears throat> because... Just as the blind man was given sight and knowledge by Jesus in response to sincere faith when Jesus came, those who are arrogant and presume they already know all things may very well be hardened by the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus said. I've come to tell those or show that those who think that they see that they're really blind. <clears throat> In other words, when we become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, a normal aspect of life as a Christian will be that we display the light of God in our world. It's what will happen just because of our very nature, of who we are. We now identify with Christ. We have a responsibility, the scriptures tell us, to teach others the message that we have, we've come to believe in. And it may very well be a divisive message for some. There will be some who admit their need and will, and will be given sight. There will be others who, who think that they know better and will remain blind, even though they think that they can see. You, you're trying to tell me that, this is, that, I, that I'm in bondage? Of course I'm not in bondage. I can do whatever I want. It's interesting, isn't it? Because that's the conversation that I've had with people. It's the same conversation that Jesus had with the Pharisees. You think you can see, but you're actually blind because the God of this world has now so blinded your eyes that you're unable to see the truth, except for the fact that Jesus came and his presence can set you free. Do you want to be healed? Was one of the questions that Jesus asked one of those people who uh, needed to get into the pool of Siloam. Do you want to be healed? Of course I want to be healed. But I don't want to change. Of course I want to get to heaven, but I don't want to live my life differently. I don't want to be seen differently by everybody else. There is coming a day when we will stand before Jesus Christ and we will be held accountable. And I don't think it's about being accountable to what we're doing as much as what it's going to be held accountable for what God has called you and I individually and as a church to do. Because we can be very busy doing lots of things that are not helping. 
And if we stand before God and he just asks the questions, well, what have you done? We could list off a bunch of stuff that we've done, but the real question I think we're going to be confronted with, have you done what I asked you to do? That's a completely different question. And even now, there are many in our society who have still not really heard of the saving grace that Jesus Christ is offering. Romans 10, 14 and 15 says, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring you good news. How will people know unless we go? Outreach ought to be normal for those who desire to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's not always easy. It's not always, we don't always see an immediate reward. We're not going to always see the results for ourselves potentially. But Jesus made this statement while he was speaking with his disciples. He said, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one will work. The night, what does he mean by the night is coming? The night is literally the time when we are no longer free or able to be active in ministry. There is coming a time when we will be not able to do the work we've been called to do. The night is coming. There is coming a time when our freedom that we have under grace will be removed. And we live in a time of grace and blessing. And while this, the night may refer to our physical death on this planet when we're unable to tell anyone else, it also refers to, I believe, a the time of potentially of persecution in the church or imprisonment or the incapacity due to an illness or, or an accident or something like that that's caused us to not be able to get the message of hope out. Although those things, I believe that God will always give us an opportunity in. The implication of what Jesus is saying is that we need to make sure that we use, make the most of every opportunity to be able to let people know about the Lord Jesus Christ without the letting the risks or the danger of or the whatever it is, the hindrances that come against us to deter us. We don't want that to happen. And one of the last things that Jesus said before he was taken back to heaven were the verses or the words that we, we know so well from Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It's repeated for us in the book of Acts. It's also recorded in Luke. But these verses from Matthew 28 tell us that from Jesus' own mouth, therefore he says, go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the Son and in the Holy Spirit and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you even till the end of the age. 
These are not just good suggestions. God or Jesus wasn't just saying if you feel like it. It was a command for us that we have to go into the world. And if, if you're really thinking that this was just him talking to his disciples, then I, I, I want to you to rethink that because the last part of that verse doesn't make sense if Jesus was just talking to his current disciples because they were not going to be there at the end of the age. Jesus wanted us to make sure that this was something that was carried on from disciple to disciple. Teach these people everything that you've learned. Make them disciples so that they can tell others about the things that they've learned and they can tell others, and I will be with you all through the generations, all through the, the times of these people, all the generations of discipleship, I will be with you till the end of the age. So Jesus wasn't just speaking to his disciples in Matthew. He was talking to any of us who have received the good news and we are to go and make disciples, teaching them everything that we've learned, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, knowing that, we are, that he is with us even until the end of the age, even after we're long gone and dead perhaps. Jesus is still going to be with those who are the generation that come after us who are disciples. That should be a praise point for us. We, we know that he never sleeps. He will always be with us. So where can we start? We've read this before, but I want to remind you, Matthew 5, where Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. What good is salt if it loses its flavor? How can you make it salty again? The implication is you can't. It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Then he goes on and he says this, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Then instead, a lamp should be placed on a stand where that gives light to everyone in the house. Again, the implication is that Jesus is saying, if you have received the light, it's not even possible for that to be hidden. It should be so evident to us that the light of Jesus and, and evident to others as well, the light of Jesus shines in us and through us. And we don't just hide ourselves away in our little cocoons. We stand up on the mountaintop. We stand on the stands and our light shines before all men, giving light to everyone. That's how Jesus explains how the life of a Christian or a Christ follower ought to be. The light that we live ought to be reflecting the light of Jesus Christ. Our lifestyle ought to be outreach-oriented. It should be about others seeing Jesus Christ in us. And the simplest and the best way to start sharing the good news is in the way that we live our own lives. Jesus went on to say in verse 16, why we ought to be light. He said, let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify you and your good works. No, he doesn't. He says, so that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Our whole purpose of shining was to bring glory to God, was to point the spotlight on him. 
was to highlight who he is. But the problem is that it, it's impossible to be the light, to be light in this world when we ourselves are living in darkness. If the life that we live is so similar to in appearance to the rest of this world, rather than people seeing our good works and glorifying the Father in heaven, what we can be really good people. And what others might see and will see is your good works and glorify you and me. Because the light of Jesus won't be shining. And we'll, we'll receive all these accolades, we'll receive these rewards, and we'll start to see the power of God or, the, or our power be, be manifested. Yes, I am, and what a good boy am I. Kind of attitude. And I think that sometimes we, we live so closely aligned with our world that we think that our lifestyle is reflecting Jesus Christ and we don't want to speak up, but we just want to see people. They'll know by the way that we live because we, they'll, they'll see our difference, but they don't. And they never ask. And we think we're doing a good job when realistically, if you've not been asked, and I, and I put myself in with you here if this is you, if we're not being asked about the hope that we have, we need to perhaps, it should be a little red flag for us to think, okay, I, I'm not getting that. Okay, so what am I missing? Do I need to be doing something different? Again, it's not a criticism. This should make me feel like I need to reevaluate my walk with the Lord personally. And if that's you, I encourage you to do that. That's the first step I believe we need to do is get our life right with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first point, we're going to go through these relatively quickly, so take heart. God should always get the glory. If the church is taking glory for themselves or we are taking glory for ourselves, we're not being the church that Jesus Christ said he was building. He always needs to be first. He is the primary reason for everything that we do or should be the primary reason for everything that we do. He ought to be the center of all things. Nothing exists except that which he has put in place. He deserves the glory. He deserves the honor. And he should always get the glory and the honor. Matthew 6 gives us a wonderful key as to how we should do this. Or the first part of this is that when Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Put God first and live righteously. Live the way that you're supposed to live. And he will give you everything that you need. If you want everything that you need, the first step is the best way we can do that is to put the kingdom of God first. Seek the kingdom of God above all other things. Satan's purpose in life is to divert attention away from God and onto anything else. He wants the attention taken off God getting the glory. And he doesn't care what else it goes on to so long as it's not on him. Anything literally means anything. It can be friendships, good friendships, but they might distract us 
from being where we're supposed to be. It can be a relationship. And it's not that the relationship is bad. And I'm not even talking about a, a marriage or an intimate kind of relationship. It can be any kind of business relationship. But it might not be what God is wanting us to have. But Satan will take us our focus off God and place it on, we've got to work at this, we've got to do this. It can be a pursuit of comfort in our life. I deserve to have more. I'm, I've lived my whole life going without. I'm going to sit back and relax. I think one of the most, or the saddest, one of the saddest little bumper stickers that I, I've ever seen in my whole entire life is the sticker that's seen on some of the little RV vehicles and stuff around, the, not little, some of them are very big, but looking and saying, spending the kids' inheritance. I think that's a, that's a sad indictment of our, of our culture. When the scriptures actually say it, it's good for a man or a, or a family to be leaving an inheritance to their children. It can be finances, focusing on what's going wrong in our finances and we don't look properly. Or it can be anything that the world regards as important this moment in time. It could be politics. It can be anything. Think about it. The church is about Jesus Christ and he should always get the glory. And if we are seeking his kingdom first, if we are putting it above all else, then that ought to be the primary focus on everything else that we do. He should always be first. Do whatever it takes to start putting him first. If life gets hard, put God first. If you get promoted and make more money than you've ever made before, put God first. If you, when people are on your side, put God first. When people are against you, put God first. When you start your family, put God first. When you are by yourself, put God first. When, you're, when you get busy in life, put God first. And when you, you're bored, and life moves so slowly that you don't know what to do. Put God first. When you understand what's going on, on, on around you, put God first. When you don't understand, when you have no idea of what's going on around you, put God first. When you feel like quitting on being a follower of Jesus Christ or being a disciple, put God first. When you're healthy, Put God first. When you're sick, put God first. When you're lost or when you lose something, put God first. When, you're, when you win and you find what you've lost or you, you're on a winning streak, put God first. When you're at work, put God first. When you're, you're at play, put God first. When God's commandments are easy for you, put God first. When God's ways seem really hard to you, put God first. Have you got this? Put God first. In everything that we do, it ought to be God first. We seek the kingdom of God first. And he and live righteously, and he will give us everything that we need. 
And the way that we put God first is to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our minds, and to obey his commandments as he has given them to us in his word. There are commands to pray. It's not just about the Ten Commandments, by the way, because there are commandments in here to tell us to pray. There's tell, uh, commandments telling us that we should love our enemies. Pray for those who mistreat you, Jesus says. There are commandments in here for us to love the poor and to help those who are not as well off as we are. Uh, it's, it, there are commandments in here for us to be filled with the power of God. There are commands in here for us to be holy in the way that we live our life. And the most important part or the best way that we can have a well-balanced life is to always put God first. If you are just starting out in life, set him at the head of your life. If you are at the end of your life, then put him first and rejoice. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, Timothy tells us, but of power, love, and of sound mind or self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others. Never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either. Even though I'm in prison, this is Paul speaking, with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. God will always provide for us. Number two, provide is the word. And it's time the church stopped making excuses for the lack of time, the lack of finances, the lack of giftedness, the whatever. We, we make these complaints and say, well, it's not, I'm not the right person. I haven't, I'm not old enough. Or I'm too old. Uh, my life is all gone. Because Matthew 6.33 just tells us that when we put God first, when we seek the, first the kingdom of God, he gives us everything that we need. We're not going to lack in any of those things. If, if you think you're too old, he'll give you more years. If you think you're too young, he'll give you wisdom to do what he's calling you to do. If you think you're too poor, he'll give you the finances to do it. If you think you're too well off, then he might humble you enough to be able to meet the needs of others. There's, there's nothing that God cannot do. There is nothing he will not do in order to see his call upon your life fulfilled. And one of the greatest hindrances to us being involved in outreach is our fear of what we should be saying or what we, we might say something that's wrong. What if they make fun of me? What if they stop liking me? You know, the unlike button. What if, what if I get written off out of their Facebook, social media, whatever platform you're on, likes? What if I make a fool of myself and they ask me a question that I don't even know how to answer? And the first thing that we need to understand is that not everyone is going to be receptive and not everyone is going to say yes straight off. And most people like to be liked. So our response to outreach is often, rather than speaking up, they'll just see my life and they'll respond to it. They'll ask me about it. And what happens is that we slot into their life in such a way and our life becomes so much like their life that they don't see that much of a difference and the question never comes. Jesus had a way of turning everyday 
conversations into spiritual conversations. I, I wish... I wish we could get that easy like Jesus seemed. It just seemed to happen. He, he, he met a woman at a well and suddenly he's, and she's drawing water and he's talking about life-giving water. He, he took a conversation on a boat with his disciples about them forgetting some bread and he turns it into this spiritual conversation about what is real bread. What's more important? He just had a way of taking everyday conversations and turning them to something very deep and meaningful spiritually. We should take a lesson from that and we need to examine how he did that and what we could do. He did it time and time again. And one of the scariest things about our sharing with somebody else is that we don't really know where to start. But Jesus said to his disciples when they were being persecuted for their faith, he said to this, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right answer, the right words at the right time, for it's not, who, not you who will be speaking, but it will be the spirit of your father. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Just start talking. Don't worry about it. And while we do have a responsibility to speak up, that's what Jesus wants. Just start and God will give you, the Holy Spirit will lead you in what to say. And going into the scary situations and waiting on the Holy Spirit to give you the words takes a lot of faith at times. Because, but God will always be faithful to that. God will always provide for us. And the thing is, are we willing to accept the provision that he has already given us and he promises that he will? Thirdly, we have a responsibility as well here. And when God says he will provide for us, we have a responsibility to do our part. God will do his. But too often because of our fears, we are unable or unwilling to uphold our responsibilities in this area. And while there are others, I, I'm going to just give you three places to start. And, and there are a bunch of others, but three habits that I want you to start with. And I promise that God will provide all that you need in every situation. Firstly, study the word of God. Study the word of God. Study it for yourself. For many, we rely on what others tell us. And so our understanding is what others have understood. And while that's helpful, it's not really what we should be doing. We should be looking at it, examine these things for ourselves. We, we are to encourage one another in that way. We are to also take responsibility of, of studying the word of God for ourselves. I'm going to be a little blunt, and please don't be offended. This is not, it is not possible for you to get enough spiritual food on a Sunday morning. It's just not possible. You are not going to get enough in your understanding of Scripture to just turn up on Sunday and think you've got it, you've, you've ticked the box. You, you are not going to get enough for a whole week from Sunday service or service whenever you go to, to whenever. We need to set some time aside weekly in the week 
for private study of the Word of God. That may well take us to a place that we've never been before. And by doing that, we will begin to place ourselves in a place where God is able to not only speak into our life, but for us to hear him as well. Secondly, the second little habit I think we need to be very careful about and and diligent with is prayer. It's our responsibility as well, but too often we leave that up to other people. And, And I wonder how many times we actually have quality prayer time apart from when we meet corporately. I wonder whether we do that. When we feel, when we, when, we pray, when we pray significant prayers, when we pray with determination, if we are serious about telling others about Jesus Christ, one of the best things that you can do to prepare yourself in that is to commit to praying for yourself, but praying for the people to speak to. How many of you have got people on your prayer list that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, that you are specifically praying for. It can be family. It can be, I don't know, your next door neighbor. It can be the, the person that served you your shopping at the grocery store. <clears throat> Providing you know their name. Let's, not, let's be a little specific. But pray for opportunities as well and pray for the right, that the Lord will lead you to the right words. Remember, God will give you, the Holy Spirit will give you the right words. But pray about that, that you're not just going to do this out of your own strength. Pray for someone to, to talk to. Pray for opportunities and pray that the Holy Spirit will give you the right words to say in season. And Jesus told them that there were many who were ready not only to hear but also respond. When he talked to them in Matthew 9, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. He's not talking about wheat. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, the the people. Ask him to send more workers into the field And the problem that we have of pointing to someone is that I've got three pointing back at me. And God may well be speaking to you and saying, you know what, I have a special calling for you. There is this person that only you out of the entire church population have. They're the only Christian that these people know. How are they going to see me? How are they going to hear unless you speak up? And the last one, See serving. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, but the truth is if you want to learn more about how to share your faith, about the word of God, about God himself, his plan for you, and all of those things, begin to serve in ministry. One of the fastest ways I know of beginning to, to learn scripture, to understand scripture, is to teach a Sunday school class or an RI class. I remember when I, well, I was doing RE, or it was RE, it's, it was RI, then it was RE, now it's back to RI. It's kind of confusing. It's all the same thing, religious instruction or religious education. Um, but I remember doing that before I came to Yapoon. And I would spend time going through 
the lesson, making sure that I had a proper understanding of this story. And I used to get confused in the kings. You get to which king we're talking about, king of Judah, king of Israel. And this person survived three kings of Israel while this one didn't. And, and it gets confusing. But I've got to tell you, that became so clear to me when I was teaching RE at the time that I rarely have a struggle with that now. I, I mean, I don't remember all their names, but when I'm reading through it, it makes complete sense when I read it. One of the best things that you can do if you want to know what to say and what the Word of God tells you, start serving in ministry. Start small. Start with your Sunday school class or start with your, your children in an RI class. There are, there are classes in our community who need teachers at this present moment. It's 30 minutes or 20 minutes, I think, 30 minutes of your time a week. If you've got that, then talk to me. If all you do is go to church, but you never have personal times of prayer and devotion, your faith will be weak and you'll be reliant about on what others are doing and saying to you. You'll only know what other people say. On the hand, other hand, if, if all you do is stay at home and have private times of devotion, and never, and, and you, you stay, at, rather than coming to church, or you just want to stay to yourself, we need to come under authority. And I think that's helpful for every single one of us. Put yourself under authority so that you can grow. Because if we are not under authority, we will only grow to what we know. And we become weak in our faith because we'll only go as far as we can reach. You need, and all of us need, I need as well, those in authority over me who will draw me upwards. And if we don't do that, instead of being lifted to higher levels of understanding and maturity, we will remain stagnant or more likely diminish in what we know and understand. Regular church involvement, personal devotions, make time daily to have personal devotions with the Lord Jesus Christ. Read and study the word of the Lord yourself. Pray and worship with, with the Lord in your times at home as well as other times. Make attendance at a church service that one of your priorities, the local church, a top priority because when you do that, you interrelate inter with other people who are able to lead you and guide you. And if you don't think that you need that, that's well and good, but others might need you. By not being there, we, we restrict what others get to experience as well. It's a blessing to come together. Aim for meeting with other people besides Sunday morning. Aim to get together two or three other times during the week. You can do that really easily. A prayer meeting, a small group, there's your two, plus a church service. If you did that every week, it wouldn't, you would be topped up. You would be continually being fed 
Endeavor to do that as much as you're able to do. Hebrews 10 tells us to let us think of ways that we can motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of the Lord is, is drawing near. And then in Acts 2, all the believers then devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs, and all the believers met together in one place. They gathered together and shared everything they had. They sold their property, possessions, and shared the money with those who, who were in need. They worshipped at the temple every day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. Listen to this. And every day the Lord added to their number the, those who were being saved. Every day. And they, were, they enjoyed the goodwill of all people. Those who were Christ followers and those who were not. Outreach ought to be extremely normal for us as Christians. And if Jesus has made such a significant difference in our life, how much could he do for your friends, for those others that you and I can speak with? And the reality is that most of our outreach is going to be with people that we already know. And they already know you. They might not be willing to listen. That's okay. It's not our job to make them listen. It's our job to speak. It's not about giftedness. It really is about a desire to see people in the kingdom and being obedient to his call. So my prayer today, don't feel condemned. Don't feel judged. I want us just to recognize that we have a calling. We have a calling to speak out. Let me pray. Father, I do pray for our church. I pray that we would... if that you would bring to mind those in our family, those in our community, those in our sphere of influence that need you. For us to name them to you, Father, to write their names down, to make a commitment to pray diligently for them, to pray for an opportunity to, to speak into their life. Give us the words that we need to say. Help us to be confident, not being ashamed of you, but being confident that you will honour the promise to give us the words, the right words in season, the promise that you have told us that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Your promises are always yes. And we give you praise for that because you are faithful. You are loving. You are kind. You love us and want us to experience life here on this planet to the fullest extent. I pray for our church, Father, that your Holy Spirit might fall upon us, refresh us now, examine our hearts. If there's anything in us, Father, that is hindering the work that you want to do, I pray that you might bring it to our thoughts, bring it to our mind, that we would confess that, that we might honour you and be a blessing to those that we run into in the, in the streets. Father, help us to be your people in this world, to be a light, to be on the stand, giving light to the whole house, to being salt, that others might taste and see that the Lord is good. Help us, Father, to reflect your glory. Help us as we do good things, good works, 
that others might see our good works and glorify you. Help us, Father, to know that if we have been redeemed, then we should speak out. Tell everyone about what you have done in our life. May God bless each one of you. May his face shine upon you and bring peace into your life this week. Father, thank you for your goodness and grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.